Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Welcome back to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes. I took a hiatus for the month of September. The last time I recorded was back in August. And probably by the end of this episode, you'll understand why I took a month hiatus. Today's episode is called Coronavirus Chronicles, The Exhausted Educator. For those of you that don't know, I have a website. I'm called educatorbarns.com. And on that website, almost every Monday, some Mondays I skip because, you know, life happens. I write a Monday musings. And simply, it's just whatever's on my mind. Sometimes it's things that aren't things I would publish on my gardening blog or things I wouldn't publish through NDK12. Or uh, I want to give a personal opinion because sometimes when you write for publications, your personal opinion doesn't really fall um, within the topics you typically write about. Or it's just like advice about life. But on Thursday, March the 12th, If you live in Indiana, you know what happened on that day. Our governor told us that our school buildings will be closing. And from there, I'm like, well, my Monday Muses isn't enough. I need to, like, get out my thoughts. So I started doing what I just called the Coronavirus Chronicles. And for a while, I was, like, writing almost every day just about life in quarantine. And I thought, well, you know, even though I stopped the Coronavirus Chronicles, uh, I th- I think it was like around summertime when school year ended. We're still in the pandemic. The pandemic hasn't ended. I just stopped uh, the chronicling so much. And after a while, I didn't do every day. I did like my Monday muses in a couple days a week. And today I feel like this needs to be in the chronicles. And I'm bringing it to the podcast. So... Educators around the world are exhausted, Um, terribly exhausted um, right now. They're being asked to do twice as much, three times the amount of work. And it doesn't matter what your role is in education. You can be a classroom assistant, a paraprofessional, um, instructional assistant, um, whatever that title is called in your particular school, because in different schools it's called different things. Um, You could be um, a school custodian cafeteria lady, principal, assistant principal, dean, academic dean like I am, teacher, co-teacher, English as a new language teacher, special education teacher, uh, resource room teacher, um, just a support in the school. You're tired because what you were used to doing is not what you get to do now and you have to try to continue to push on education when there's so many other factors that are going along. So for those of you that are not um, in Indianapolis, um, Indianapolis has 11 different school districts, and they uh, put out a joint letter, and the joint letter simply said uh, that, you know, they were going to work together, uh, be on the same page. Well, I live in Washington Township, and one of the first things that happened after that letter was put out is that Washington Township sort of broke ranks. And they said, well, we're going to reopen school 100% online. And that's when you had all these different plans that came out. 
So what do I do when I find out that my kids are not going back to school and I don't have a choice about it, right? And I'm a black woman. Black people are um, poorly, um, they have poorer outcomes when it comes to coronavirus. So I have uh, concerns and our parents, my parents, his parents, my husband's parents, um, they're in the age category, um, which makes them at higher risk. So we had to keep that in consideration. And for months, our kids did not see grandparents. And that was tough on them because we see grandparents almost every single week. Um, but, you know, the coronavirus knew we didn't want to. You don't want my visit to grandma to be the reason she got the coronavirus and didn't survive. Like who wants that on their conscience, right? So started teaching <laughs> parents about FaceTime. Well, uh, the moms, <laughs> the moms about FaceTime and Zoom. The dads, my father-in-law, my father, <laughs> they're not FaceTiming anybody. They're not Zooming anybody. You could call them on the phone. <laughs> um, they're just not, uh, they're both actually the same age. They're both 71 and they're just not down for that cause. <laughs> so that, that was a little tough on my kids. But I had to figure out what I'm going to do because I'm a um, academic dean in my particular school. I work for a charter network. You have the principal. There's no assistant principal. Everyone else is pretty much a dean, and they supervise the teacher. So my um, principal does not supervise any teacher. She only supervises the deans. So I knew that I wasn't going to be able to stay at home, you know, um, and manage remote learning. And be an administrator. So, and I didn't know what my school's plans was because, in the same uh, vein as uh, the public traditional public schools putting out a letter, uh, most of the charter schools came out with a joint letter talking about considerations. But my particular school is the Indianapolis Public School Innovation School. Um, there's a law here in Indiana which allows. Um, Essentially, a school district to have charter schools, but the charter school is autonomous and they run um, the way they want to run. But the school, the scores and the data goes back to the school district. So because of that, and because we are in an IPS building, we have to follow some of the guidance of Indianapolis Public Schools. Indianapolis Public Schools also did what Washington Township did. They opened 100% remotely. We decided my building is a K through eight building. We decided to bring back kindergarten through um, third grade students on campus if the parents want their students to return. Um, for every grade level K through three, we have remote classes. I'm in the middle school. Um, our middle school it goes from fifth grade to eighth grade. So when we came back, I had to negotiate with my school like my remote schedule. So we ended up doing, I would be on campus half a day um, in person. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I was on campus um, from 7.30 to 12. And then Tuesday and Thursday, I was on campus from 12 to 4.30. That worked for a little bit of time. What made that hard on top of that is that I had to resolve some issues from the previous school year. I wrote an article um, stating that I felt emotionally unsafe at my school. If you ask me how I feel now, I do not have any changes to that statement. Um, my school um, has three values that they um, look for in an employee. Um, that's hungry, humble, 
and smart. And that's from the book, The Ideal Team Player, which I have read. You, you work in my school, you're going to read that book. Um, hungry means that's your ability to just grind. You're going to get, get the work done. I mean, anybody that knows me, you probably know I get the work done. I have able um, to maintain multiple things at multiple time and hit deadlines. And I attribute that to my dad, to be honest. My dad is 71. He literally has had a job since he was 10 years old. He has always had the mindset that he needs to, to, to take care of business. Most of my childhood, my dad worked seven days a week um, to save up money. So we didn't have any debt when we went to college. On top of that, he was um, power attorney for several aunts and uncles managing their affairs. Some of those people did not have children. And my dad is a trusted individual in our family. Um, so he did a lot of that work and maintaining our family on top of that. So I had a role model of how you balance multiple things and do them well. And one of the things that my father taught me was never commit to anything that you couldn't put 100% into. Um, so I do my podcast. I write for NDK12. I'm editor-in-chief. I'm a school administrator. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I have my own publishing company with my husband. Um, I'm on multiple committees around the city. And I just try to be a good person, you know. So I do all those those things and so I'm like, man, this is this is a lot. This is a lot to try and balance, but I'm gonna make this work. Um so I, I had hungry down and when my school looked at my resume, they're like, Yeah, she has hungry down. Um humble is that you're not too good you're not too good enough to do something, right? That means if I see paper in the hallway, I'm going to bend down and pick it up. Some people, it's just beneath them. And and this is shocking to say this because, you know, there's an image about teachers that, you know, everyone's like nice and great and kind. And the majority of teachers, yes. But there are some teachers, no. Some teachers like, you can call the custodian. I'm not cleaning up. I have mopped the floors in schools that I worked at. I have swept the floors. I have cleaned tables. I have changed trash bags. There is nothing beneath me. We are all part of a school. Um, if you need me to do it, I'm down uh, for that. So you, that's hungry, humble, and smart. Smart actually is, doesn't have to do with your intelligence. It has to do with your emotional intelligence. Um, so your ability to navigate situations. Uh, most people have my, any job that ever worked with me will say I'm level headed. Um, as recently as for, uh, a couple days ago, a teacher had recommended someone else talk to me and say, yeah, Shantae is pretty level headed. She's, if you are on the wrong path, she's going to be blunt with you and tell you, um, she's not going to entertain foolishness. I'm like, oh wow, you just summed me up so, so nicely. But, but yes, that, that, that is true. But what I learned this summer, which made me feel emotionally unsafe, was that I felt like there was like a fourth um, thing. Um, hungry, humble, smart, and silent. Um, I, I, I learned, uh, I guess you said the hard way, that speaking up about not feeling safe at my school uh, made people feel some type of way. And that turned into, oh, she's just not loyal. Oh, she doesn't like the school. Oh, she's toxic. Oh, she's um, damaging the school environment. Um, and those were things that were actually said about me, um, that I was a toxic person and that I was taken away from the positivity of school environment. And not only was it said to me, to my face, um, said to me in my face in front of my principal, um, said to other people that are in my school. Um, and it's just like, if someone says they don't feel safe at school, your response is to attack the person than to address the environment in which the person is in. And I, I said that. I said it to the executive director. I said, 
because uh, one of the things uh, that happened at the end of the school year, we did these little paper play awards, and I this must be an elementary school thing for real. Like, <laughs> I had never heard of these awards until I switched from secondary to elementary school. Essentially, it's like um, high school. You know, in high school, you get those superlative awards, best smile, best hair. It's just like, give everybody a award. You get a prize, you get a prize, you get a prize. First of all, one of the things I told my principal when I first came, I said, um, I do not get anything for public acknowledgement. I'm a person that I don't need you to shout my name out in front of everybody. I'm good. All I need to know is privately that you think I'm doing well. I don't need you to be calling out my name. Now, as I have grown as a leader, I have realized that when you don't get publicly recognized, there's an assumption by others that maybe you're not doing so well. So I have accepted the need that sometimes I need to be publicly acknowledged, even if I'm not getting it. That's not my love language. Um, uh, that uh, I don't need all that, right? But I got the paper play award. It was a straight face award. And the commentary was because no one ever knows what Shantae is thinking. Um, and I was just like... <sighs> And then I followed up about that. I was like, what's that about? And it was like, well, we want you to speak up more. <laughs> so I say, I don't feel emotionally safe at the school. I spoke up. And yes, I wrote about it publicly, but I also had mentioned several things that happened that made me feel that way. Um, but it was like, oh, you told the whole, you told the whole world. Um, yeah, I tell the whole world a lot of things when I write, and you knew that. And that was one of the things I put on uh, my resume. It's on my resume. Uh, any teaching job, I'm like, this is what I do. This is what I believe in. I believe that you should be anti-racist. I believe in diversity, equity, inclusion. I believe in culturally responsive teaching. I believe that if you're going to hire a black educators or educators of color, you should change your school environment so you can retain them because they're going to come and bring something different that you don't have. And that if the other teachers at the school are going to make it difficult for them, then you're not really looking to retain us. Like I believe these things. I state these things. So you need to know that I'm just not saying these things out into the world. I live these things. So if you know this about me and I show up to your place of employment and you hire me, trust and believe that is what I'm going to bring. And so if you have a problem with that, this is not going to work out long term. One of the things I told my job when I was hired um, was that I would give them two years. I said that in the last interview. So this is not a surprise to anyone. This is my second school year. I had several reasons for that. Um, one of the reasons was the job I had before. The job I had before was one of my favorite jobs I've ever had in education. Um, it was being a school librarian. One of my favorite jobs. But I also had this admin license that was kind of ticking. Um, I had already renewed it once. And you can only renew and it's for two years. And you can only renew it uh, two more times. After that, you had to go back and take class. And I'm like, I don't want to go take a class to have this license. So I told myself, if another opportunity comes by and I... It looks good. I think I can do it for two years. I'm going to do this and put my all into it because one, it will let me know if I can really be a school administrator because I'm going to be honest, I have some doubts. Like, is this the thing I can go do? Yes, I've coached teachers. Yes, I've been an ENL teacher. Yes, I've been a literacy coach. I've been an English teacher, middle school, high school, but can I be a school administrator? So I felt like I needed two years to determine that. I have determined that I can do that. Um, my evaluation shows I do that well. So that's not my personal opinion. That's my principal's evaluation, my staff's evaluation of me because they get to do that twice a year. But I'm just like, you said speak up more. So I'm honest with you. And now I'm too honest. So is it hungry, humble, smart, and silent? 
I don't know. But I, I said, I said, I can't do that anymore. I said, the one thing that I said to myself, cause I had my, and it was my husband. So when my husband and I met, uh, so this is a side story. I'm going to get y'all back to the main story. Just stick with me. My husband and I met. We actually went to the same elementary school, middle school, high school. We actually met online on this website called Black Planet. Uh, it's like, think of it like, I don't know, Facebook for black folks. I don't even think that, I don't even know if the site exists, but that's how I met my husband. We found out that at the time that we met on this website, we were both attending Purdue University and we were both in the same class at Purdue. We were both in agriculture economics. Uh, my last name started with an S and the teacher put us in an alphabetical order in his lecture hall. Interesting dude. So we meet, we eventually meet in person um, in the lobby of my dorm, you know, because, you know, trying to be safe, right? Because I was talking to him online <laughs> and he said and we find out we're in the same class and so he said yeah i'm sitting i'm the black dude <laughs> sitting in the front row with a do-rag on my head i said i'm the black girl <laughs> sitting in the top row <laughs> and sure enough he was in my class so i had really been talking to this guy online who was in my class right uh, so yeah and then on top of that we found out that our parents live walking distance from each other um, last week was the first time we let our kids walk from my parents house to my mother-in-law's house my parents live on a dead end but there's a shortcut if you walk to the end of the dead end there's stairs and you turn and that's like the street my mother-in-law lives on so it's I don't know I've never counted it's like 15 houses so close right um, so if you can tell how much of an introvert I am uh, I could literally live walking distance for somebody and not meet them until like years later but it also it's kind of like it almost makes it sound like it's meant to be like we were in each other's orbit and it's weird and we were part of, of um, desegregation busing so we um there was only two buses that came out of our neighborhood to the school district we were bused to and i was on one bus and he was on the other so it's just yeah what's crazier is to look back at school programs and stuff and see each other it's just the weirdest thing but anyway i'm getting into another side story with side story so anyway i'm going somewhere with this so we end up eventually working at this pizza place um in the uh, purdue student union villa pizza and although i think we i think we were probably like the two only black people working there maybe the third person i don't remember but nobody actually knew we were dating but my husband shortened his name to jb because people kept mispronouncing or miss saying his name his name is jermaine they kept calling him jeremy or jeffrey so he just went from jermaine barnes to jb so a couple weeks ago i was saying you know I said, you know how, what, it, what, what it is, you know, work, you know, you got to be like JB and, you know, I got to be like Sean and Sean is the name I typically use. Uh, my full name is Shantae, but it's spelled S-H-A-W-N-T-A and normally gets mispronounced. So if I go out to public and, you know, you have to give your name for something and they ask you how to spell it. Well, if I spell my name, someone else is going to probably pick up the order and misspell my, missay my uh, name. So I just go with Sean, I shorten my name. So that doesn't get mispronounced. I said, and so he's like, no, I, I'm not JB anymore. I said, I said, I said, babe, you know what I'm talking about. I said, you can't be your full self. And he says, no. He says, I'm Jermaine. I am Jermaine Barnes. He said, I, I, I just decided a while ago, I can't do that anymore. I have to full up, show up. 100% a black man. That's who I am. And and we were having and I was silent because even though I bring a lot of my full self to work, there's still part of myself that comes and I'm Sean. I am the 
person that is very concerned with doing my job and doing it well. I'm very concerned with doing things, but I also don't want to get into trouble. Like that is, I hate even perceiving that I'm going to get into trouble. And when I, my husband said it to me, that really sat with me. And I said, you know what? <laughs> the easy thing to do is to go back to work during this pandemic and just shut up and just drop it. But I said, that's not the right thing to do. And I said, I'm tired of not bringing 100% of me. Like, I feel like I probably bring 90% of myself. I said, I got to bring 100% of myself. Now, that doesn't mean I'm going to be popping off and acting crazy. But I am. So because of that, <coughs> what got exhausting for me was the mental exhaustion. Because now it's like we're going to these meetings. I'm like, so when is this equity committee going to be created? Because that was one of the things that came out of the listening tour. You know, what is the timeline for this? I mean, my school has what they call minute by minutes. It tells you, like, by the minute, what you do when you walk kids down the hallway. What you do when you get kids off the bus. Um, you got, you got visions of excellence of how, um, code planning goes, how lesson plans should be turning all this stuff. But where is the timeline and the guidance and that attention to detail to diversity, equity, inclusion? Where is that? And so now I'm like, I'm going to be that person that brings that up. And that's been exhausting. It's been hard because I have people that are like, I'm glad that you're pushing for this. It's about time someone has been that kind of horn. And then I know I am alienating people because everyone's not comfortable. They're not ready to go. And for me, I kept thinking, I'm like, some people are never going to be ready to go. And if we keep waiting for those people, we are never moved forward. And that's what's been exhausting. So that's been on my mind. And so now it's just like all these little things, right? You know, well, Shantae's off campus half the time. So, you know, I had to. Okay, so what? So, no. And so it was just me having, for lack of a better phrase, a come to Jesus meeting with my team. I said, hey, if you have one start, you have got to start with me. Because I said, I don't need any perceptions out here that Shantae's not. Because I am. I'm busting my butt just like everyone else. And I'm not the only person with like a remote accommodation where I'm on and on campus. What shifted for me was for was my husband. My husband's boss, um mother um, fortunately had um, passed away and before that happened uh, he was tending to her Uh, so my husband had some extra responsibilities there and then one of the people on his team a strong person on his team he had to leave the country um, indefinitely because of um, um, an issue in his family um, with someone being um, ill and I, I don't I can't remember if that person passed away or not so my husband's workload increased which meant that if my husband was with our kids when they were working remotely our kid my kids weren't doing stuff and if you saw if you follow my uh, face my public facebook page which i was encouraged to create during the pandemic so that was new as of april 2020 um and that's um facebook.com slash educator barnes uh, i posted this video because i went into my son's um online platform i used canvas and they were making videos to each other i'm like you were doing this while dad was over here working so I requested an update to my accommodation. So I'm now only on campus half days, two days a week. The rest of the days, I'm 100% remote. And at the end of the day, it shouldn't matter where I'm at because honestly, all my teachers except the special areas team that I supervise, um, they're remote. So even when I'm meeting with them, it's on Zoom. And when I'm observing them, it's on Zoom. But still, there's like all this stuff. And so for me, I was just so tired because... We're using a new platform to evaluate teachers. So it's like using the new platform, learning the platform. I did all my documentation in the platform incorrectly. So I had to go back and redo all the documentation. So that's, t- that's more time. 
And while all that's going on, trying to keep up with all the changes um, that are happening in education. What is this school district doing? What is this school district doing? And this having messages after messages after messages after messages from followers, which I love interacting with. But it's, uh, but I was like, and then I, if I didn't know the answer, I felt bad because I was, I'm really trying to help, um, especially people in Annapolis when they're asking questions like, well, how can I advocate? Because, you know, they're saying my son has to come to school every other day, but he's special education and he's not getting his needs met. And I want him to go to school every day. How do I get his accommodations changed? So it's more like me learning more about that particular school district, learning more about that parents struggle so far and then giving them recommendations so i've been spending time literally meeting with parents one-on-one talking them through um their ieps talking them through how they're approached to school to get the accommodations changed because the saddest thing to me is just hearing people say my kid is failing my kid is not learning my kid has all f's and i don't know what to do and i don't feel like anybody's helping me and so those are some of the reasons why i've just been exhausted um, trying to manage my son's remote learning to make sure they are learning and staying on top of their tasks because my sons are nine they're in the fourth grade and I'm asking them when I'm working remotely or my husband's working remotely and we're both on zoom or in a call I'm asking them to be responsible and learn by themselves and that's hard because their teacher is phenomenal first year they've ever had a black teacher um, she's excellent And I always say, side note, yes, I advocate heavily for black teachers, that we need more black teachers. But the black teacher has to be an excellent teacher um, because I work with black teachers that they they could not teach. So got to be a good teacher. But on top of that, the environment in which that teacher is in needs to be an anti-racist and supportive environment. Because if you don't have that, that teacher is going to leave. And there's so many research studies out there that talks about that the turnover rate is higher for black teachers um, because of what I just mentioned. The, The environment wasn't ready for them. And so watching them, so I had to put supports in place, such as teaching my sons how to make their own breakfast and not burn our house down because we moved from the house that we lived in for 12 years to our new house, which is lovely. But I had already started teaching my sons to cook on an electric stove. My new house, we have a gas stove. And I was like, Mm-mm, you're not lighting my house on fire. So all the things I had showed them how to cook, I was like, hold up, can't do that uh, by yourself, right? Um, and some people were like, wait a minute, your kids are nine. It sounds like you're saying that you let them use the stove. Yes, I did let them use the stove by themselves, but you have to remember my kids have been cooking with me in the kitchen. I don't know since they were four. So it's not like this is new stuff right now. We put a pause on using the stove and it's not like I was like away, like I'm awake, you know, but you know, there are people that always like to judge folks. But anyway, so I taught them how to make their own breakfast and then I had to get alarm clocks. Each of the alarm clocks have two alarms that go off and it goes off when they're supposed to start their new subject area. So they get back onto Zoom and do their work. Then I created a visual schedule for each day of the week because they have specials that change every day. And then I added stuff like they need to learn how to type. That's exhausting. Part of the reason my kids weren't getting their work done on time or within the time limit when schools first closed is because they were peck typing. Do you know how painful it is to watch a kid peck type a paragraph or paragraph? It is painful. So I say, you know what? In your schedule, you're going to be getting online and you're going to be practicing typing so you can be more efficient. And I will say my one son who has committed to it, um, (laughs) he actually types decently now using the proper form. His brother, 
only tights properly when I walk through the room, which is why he can't tight. And I told him, I said, you can keep playing these games, but you're not learning how to type. And it's clear you're not practicing when I'm not around. And what's interesting, he's also not, a, I also been making them learn cursor writing. If you don't know, in Indiana, um, cursor writing is no longer mandated in our curriculum. That was removed. There is a lawmaker. Oh, I can't call her name. But she always introduces the bill. It always gets killed. Um, but I have the autonomy to make my kids learn how to write in cursive. My one son, who's also um, typing well, is also writing in cursive well. His brother, I just, I don't know. He's just not interested. He is very much... Um, He's the kid that is going to go through the test, answer other questions, probably not going to go back and double check on what's going to be done. Now, what's interesting about this, he normally gets stuff right on the first time, but there are simple mistakes he makes because he doesn't go back. So, um, and right now we on the struggle bus was capitalizing the beginning of the sentence and putting a period. I'm like, boy, you're in fourth grade. I know you know this. Boy, you are an author of a book. I know you know this. And he just smirks and then goes back and fix it. And we go through this dance. But like managing that or managing the emotions when they break down, when they're trying to use like the Google slides or they're trying to record themselves and the internet's not working or the bandwidth is having problems. Uh, so managing their emotions, managing their learning, managing their missing assignments that they skipped over because it was one point. It's not going to affect my grade. I'm like, no, that teacher worked hard to put that one point assignment other. You will do that one point assignment. I'm glad you're smart enough to know that doesn't affect your grade, but you're still going to do it. Because <laughs> I actually gave them um, two words. We have two words. And I know, it's like, that sounds like a teacher thing. Yes, it is. I gave them the word integrity. I said, because you need to be honest and do the right thing when I'm not looking. <clears throat> that means, like, type properly when I'm not in the room. And perseverance. That means I need you to push through. Even if mommy and daddy are on Zoom and we can't get to you, you need to push through. So I gave them a list of strategies. It's kind of like... A lot of times teachers say three before me. There's like three things that kids should do before they go to the teacher, right? You know, uh, reread the directions, um, look at your notes, ask a neighbor. Then you ask the teacher, right? So I gave them a list of things that they could do before they come and interrupt us on Zoom uh, or interrupt us when we're not on Zoom, right? And that, and that part of it that's been exhausting. So sometimes I have to stop my documentation or stop my observation to help them. But then I still have to do that work. So now is, and then I want to spend quality time with them and we're sci-fi buffs and we've been watching um, um, Twilight Zone, like black and white Twilight Zone that's on Netflix. We're currently in uh, season three because we had to take a hiatus because of all the work I've been talking about. And then trying to find time to spend quality time with them and trying to spend time with my own sisters and their aunts and their cousins and my parents. And it's been a lot. And I think the hardest thing as educators, especially educators who are married, who have parents that are living, who have kids, they have a whole other life. And let's say you don't have none of that. Maybe it's just you and your cat. You, you want to have time with your cat where you're not exhausted, right? And people, are, teachers, educators, they're not getting that. Um, the days when I have to walk out of my building, I'm the last or the second to last car in the parking lot because I had to stay at work, even though I'm supposed to leave at 4.30 per my accommodation, I'm still there working because I can get my stuff done. And all educators will tell you, we couldn't get our stuff done before the pandemic. So what do you think happened after the pandemic? And so we are so tired. And what, what we're mostly tired of are the people bashing us, saying that we're lazy. Oh, y'all working at home. <laughs> do you know how hard it is to work at home 
with your your spouse in the house also your kids in the house have your neighbors outside i mean there's all types of things that can distract you now granted i do a lot of other work outside of my main job remotely so i have found ways to focus myself but it's still not easy there's also been some some pros and those pros are the things that have been getting me through because i'm at home i can walk out into my garden and harvest food whatever I want to eat. So I got there and get kale. Um, I had, oh, I had my kale just got obliterated by caterpillars. So we actually cut it back down to the stock and my sons were mortified. They're like, mommy, we don't have kale. And they love kale. They mostly love kale smoothies. Um, but about three weeks later, all the kale grew back. I said, you just got to do that sometime. They were excited. So we had kale smoothie yesterday, but it's those little things. Or when I'm working remotely, I don't have to worry about the person that walks past me in the hall and doesn't speak to me because they disagree with my values or my beliefs or what I've been advocating for, right? I don't have to deal with that type of traumatic experience um, because it is traumatic. It is traumatic to, to be in, in a space where it's like, and, and here's the thing, like, and I tell people, like, I'm not losing sleep over you not liking me or not liking what I advocate for. It's just, it's just sad. <laughs> um, that is, you know, it's not, it's just sad because this doesn't serve kids well. And also, um, because of how I was raised, I always speak back to people, even if they don't speak to me, because that's just who I am. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I, get, I get joy out of that. And, and I don't get joy out of it in a manipulative way. I get joy out of that I can still do the right thing. I can still address you no matter what I think you think about me or what I know you think about me, right? Um, but despite that, I still love my school. I still love my job. I still love my teachers. I still love my students. And even though I'm exhausted and I'm tired and I wish for more date nights with my husband instead of like nights where I'm like, kids, go to the basement. Mommy and daddy's having dinner upstairs for like an hour. Because uh, like, shoot, it's, it's shit. You got to get real sometimes. You got to be creative, right? Um, because we've been mindful of our kids have only stayed with grandparents one time since March because we've been extra um, super careful about that. And even before we even allowed that to happen, we talked to our kids about you have to have your mask on. Um, if you are not having your mask on, you know, grandma, grandpa, nanny, could we, um, they call their other grandmother nanny. Uh, you need to be this uh, part um, distance away. And so once we were certain that they could follow these guidelines, that's when we allowed it. But it's only really been one time because, you know, you just you just don't want to keep um, keep risking it. Right. Um, but despite all of that, even though I'm exhausted, I think it's important that we're honest about that because hiding the fact that we're exhausted mentally and physically and emotionally, uh, it doesn't serve anybody well. And I think one of the things that's lacking in a lot of these school plans is dealing with exhaustion and supporting teachers mentally um, and emotionally. And my hope is that schools will think about how are they supporting teachers? What can they give teachers? If you have a contract, because a lot of times teachers, their contracts are longer than school day, right? So you're able to get there a certain time before school, right? And you stay a certain time after school. Well, if students are gone and you and just let the teachers go, like, why are you holding them? Let them go home. And I know maybe for some schools, that's 20 minutes. Um, if it's a charter school, maybe longer, maybe an hour. Let them go. Treat them like professionals. And what's interesting is my husband has a job where he could always work remote. Now, he has um, 
before the coronavirus pandemic, it wasn't a situation where he was working remote, right? Um, but he could if he wanted to, right? Yeah. But what's interesting by my, by my husband, because his boss did start saying to him, I want you to work remotely like each week. And this was before the pandemic happened because my husband had the option and he just, my husband lurks downtown and he, oh gosh, <laughs> I feel like I've let myself go a little bit during this marriage. But I look over at my husband, still slender, still. Ugh. Anyway, <laughs> I don't even know why I'm hating because he actually exercises and I don't. So I don't even know why I'm complaining. But anyway, this man of mine that looks so good, he goes out and he likes to walk on the canal downtown. He likes to walk around. Stuff he likes to do to be active during the day, which he can't do if he's in the house. Yes, he can walk through the neighborhood, but he's like, it's not the same. So, okay, I get it. Right? But he said what's interesting, he says the way they're treating teachers working remotely is ridiculous. He says if, he says in his job in technology, he says you have tasks to complete, right? If your task is done, I don't need to worry about how you did it remotely because your tasks are done. If your tasks are not getting done, then we have a conversation. So he says, why are people policing teachers and trying to dictate when and where they work if the kids aren't there why are the teachers having to be there if the teacher is not getting their job done then he said it will make sense to say okay um uh miss uh miss towns you need to come in in person because uh, we need to put some supports in place because you teaching at home is not working or my husband said give the option give the option because some teachers want to get out of their house right maybe their kids are in uh, college you know and their kids are doing school in the house. They just want to be away from their college age students and uh, kids and they want to be in the building. But he just says, you know, the way he's being treated as a professional working remotely is not the same that teachers are being treated. And he's also said that they're not giving the supplies. My husband works in technology. You know how many screens my husband has to do his job? He says, I don't understand how when it was decided that schools were going to have an uh, offer, because most schools... Um, offered a remote option even if the school opened 100 percent in person right he says so why aren't teachers being provided with extra monitors so they can have extra tabs he says the whole point of extra monitors so you can have multiple things on multiple screens he said that should have been in the plan he said there the focus was on so much on getting kids devices that the teachers got left out and the other thing my husband talked about which i know some I guess education leaders are probably going to bristle at but he's like, where's the reimbursement for internet? My husband, because he works in technology and because he has to be able to have access to the database at all time, he gets a reimbursement for internet. Now, granted, does it pay for our whole entire internet at our house? Hell no. But it's a little, it's a little something. It's a little, little, little few dollars here or there every month. And he said, he said, yeah, I don't cover the whole bill. Of course, we want to cover the whole bill, but it doesn't. But he said, it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that you cannot do your job without the internet. So let us give you a little stipend or really, real little reimbursement every single month. And so those are the things when I think about educators being exhausted. Those are some of the things I wish were put in place. Um, that they had the right technology to make their jobs easier. They had some reimbursement for internet. When there's opportunity for educators to go home early, that schools are letting them go home early, or giving them input into some of these plans, because some of these plans could be so much better if teachers were just listened to, because teachers have good ideas. And what's happening, you have people at the top who are not actually doing the stuff they're mandating, right?
And the person that's doing it is like, hey, hey, over here, if, if we did it this way, it would actually, oh, you're not going to listen to me because, oh, oh, I'm just, I'm just a lowly teacher. And so, I don't know <laughs> when I will next uh, update again and do, I, I guess, official installment of my coronavirus chronicles, but I'm tired of being exhausted. But this week, my sons are on fall break and yesterday... We went to orchard. Um, fortunately, I learned that 90% of um, the apples at the particular orchard I went to, and she said it wasn't just her, her, their orchard, um, that um, crop was lost due to the weather. Um, so we weren't really able to actually pick like we used to. We did get a bag inside of the orchard store um, that was already picked. But uh, still, we I intentionally did some stuff. And I took off um, time for work on Monday, and so did my husband. Um, because unfortunately, my fall break is a week after their break. And I'm not allowed to take off the Friday before my fall break, which will be the last day of their fall break because my school blacks those days out. So I can take it. I'd have to take it unpaid. And I don't know about you. Um, teachers not getting paid that much to begin with. So I need to keep all the little coins in my pocket as I can. So instead, I took off part of the Monday uh, at the beginning of their break to spend some time together because exhaustion can be perpetual and we have to interrupt that a pattern. So I'm interrupting that pattern by um, doing like one of the things I did was stay off my computer. I actually had I not had to email somebody a PDF on a Saturday, I would not have gotten on my computer on Saturday. Um, so I've been taking one day a week to stay off of my computer. So if I'm tweeting or Facebooking or whatever, I'm doing it for my phone because when I'm on my computer, I'm going to be writing <laughs> articles. I'm going to be doing research because I read a lot to write and great writers should be great readers. And if you're a writer and you don't read, shame on you. Go read something. Um, I'm sorry. I always have to say that to folks because I can, you can always tell the people that write that don't read nothing. But anyway, um, <laughs> um, those are some of the things I've been doing to interrupt that pattern of exhaustion. Uh, I am an early out of bed person. Now I've been up early because I, my body's trained to wake up, um, but I've been staying in bed just to relax my physical body, uh, which has been really hard for me. According to my husband, he was just wishing I would lay still because I'm moving too much in the bed. I'm working on that. But anyway, um, I've been trying to relax my physical body um, a little bit more. Um, I don't know how helpful this is, but if you are a uh, school leader, and you're listening and you can do some of these things to interrupt the pattern of exhaustion for your teachers do those things if your reopening plan or your plan is not working and you're a district leader or a network leader think about reaching out to the teachers to ask them what could you do differently to make it better so they're not as exhausted and if you're a teacher if push comes to shove and you know i advocate for this uh, check out other episodes or other things i've written take off a day like no kid is going to learn from you if you're so exhausted and you, cause you'll end up having like a breakdown or a meltdown. You don't want that to happen. Take off time. I mean, I'm taking off time on Monday, even though I have an upcoming surgery that's going to put me out of uh, work for weeks and I should keep the days, right? But I said, no, I said, I know I'm going to be out for days regardless of whether that day is covered by PTO or not, but my kids, my life is happening here right now and I need to rejuvenate my mind because at the end of the day this work <laughs> this work is always going to be here so I can just work 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 or I can take a break 
and work some more, take a break and work some more. Um, does that mean everything's going to be perfect every single time? Nope. Does it mean that maybe I need to go and ask the first digit for something? Yep. Cause I, I've done that. I said, look, and I could have stayed up all night, but now I'm getting to the age of that whole <laughs> uh, doing it all night. It ain't getting it. It ain't cute anymore. <laughs> I can't, I can't hang like I used to. Right. And I don't drink coffee. Um, so some people are like, Oh, I'll just live off caffeine. Uh, caffeine was one of those things that was kind of banned in my childhood. Um, so <laughs> I'm not a person who is, uh, I don't know. Caffeine don't do it for me. And I typically, do, I mean, I'll drink a Coke here or there or something that has caffeine in it, but I'm not a coffee person. Um, so for me, if I am up all night, um, and some people have seen from my Twitter doing my doctoral homework, I really don't need to be up all night doing anything else because the next day I'm going to be struggling. I'm going to have bags in my eyes because there's no pick me up that I'm taking. Um, I try to keep myself healthy by eating right. Husband will also like me to exercise. I'm working on, I mean, I t- look, I'll be exercising in the garden, like harvesting and moving dirt. Like, but that's not enough. I know it's not enough. Uh, the scale says it's not enough, but I, I will work on that. But right now I got time to be working on exercise. I'm working on rejuvenation and peace and rest. So thanks for listening to this episode. Um, hopefully in a couple of episodes or my next episode, I will be um, talking a little bit about politics. Uh, I hope to get on some school board members. I've been talking um, to a couple of candidates running for school board. I don't know if that's going to work out due to timing, but I'm going to try to make that happen. If not, um, check out the recess podcast. Um, David McGuire, um, who is one of the writers for NEK 12, he is going to be interviewing some school board candidates, school board candidates from IPS, Wayne Township, and Pike Township. Um, so you can check him out. Um, if, if you want to know more about that, just go to the NDK12 Facebook page, and that information is posted there. Um, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you.